I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode of Good Faith Weekly, we're going to be talking more about what in the world is going on uh, on the internet these days, as we all find ourselves uh, quarantined and in, uh, isolated in our house. We're also going to take a little deeper dive in talking about the importance of sheltering in place and some of the organizations and individuals who are ignoring those warnings and continuing to meet, like churches. Oh, gosh. On in the your choir episode. practice, your choir practice is not that important. I know, right? Right. Later on the podcast, we're going to be interviewing Reverend David Turner, who is the senior pastor at Central Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, along with his associate, Reverend Mary Richardson Craven. And then coupled with that interview, we're also going to be interviewing Reverend Ellen Diogesia at a First Baptist Church, Jefferson City, Tennessee. We're going to be talking about how they have adapted to this new pandemic as we begin to worship and minister uh, in an entirely different way. So I'm excited about that interview. Autumn, how are things in your world these days? You know, our world is going pretty well. We have good days and we have bad days, of course. There's a lot of family dynamics um, going on. I think we're all feeling that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like it's really led to some good conversations. Um, It's beyond just the how was your day? What did you eat for lunch? Who did you play with on the playground? And we're really getting to know our kids. Oh, really? So how's that going? Are you you like (laughs) what you find out these days? (laughs) And they're pretty cool kids. The more important question is, are you getting to know your husband and are you liking what you get to know? (laughs) That's a very personal question, but the answer is yes. (laughs) Um, And things are going well. Josh and I, you know, have kind of grown up together. And so this togetherness is, it's nice. You know, I think I've been talking to some other parents sort of in our stratosphere and I feel like with every birthday, with every um, benchmark that our kids hit, we think, we always say things like, time needs to slow down. I wish time would slow down. And someone posted 2020s like, here you go. Um, <laughs> exactly. So the other night, you know, we've been trying to talk really openly with our kids about what's going on um, while not scaring them unless they need to be scared. And uh, I think Ava posed the question at dinner. We go around the table and talk a lot at dinner. And we try to be really purposeful so that people will stay focused on their food and they will eat. And Ava said, you know, if you could, if you were going to be in um, social isolation by yourself and you could only have three books with you, mm-hmm. what, what books would you take? And so we extended that to be book series because we're sort of literary nerds in our house. Right, and sure. so um, have you, what, what would you answer to that question, Mitch? If you could only take three book friends with you, what would they be? Oh my gosh. Well, of course I would have to take the Bible. I mean, I'm right? rolling my eyes, but you guys can't hear it. Did you, did you hear that over the, the, the radio or the, your listening device? She actually, you could physically hear her roll her eyes at me. That's right. Uh, well, that's, that is, you know, it goes without saying that the Bible would just be in my heart because, you know, I have it memorized. And it was in your nightstand drawer, courtesy of the Gideon. Sure. Exactly, exactly. Those Gideons are everywhere. So, uh, but uh, no, probably the three literary uh, pieces of work I would take with me. Um, You know, there's a recent book that I just love. In fact, uh, your husband and I were talking about how much we enjoy this book. uh, And that is Gentleman from Moscow. If Mm -hmm. no one has read that book, uh, it is a masterful work. 
Uh, and so I just, I just really enjoyed that. There's a recent read that I picked up, I think in the last year, uh, I would, I would read that again. Definitely. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take a Dickens novel with me. Uh, probably the tale of two cities. I just okay. uh, that uh, particular, uh, that particular story. Uh, it's a, it's a wonderful tale. Uh, and just a classic. I would really enjoy that. And then one book, and I'm going to kind of talk about a book that I haven't read, but I've always wanted to read. In fact, I've got it sitting on my shelf right now, which needs to be read. And that's the Brothers uh, Komarov. Uh, it's a, a Russian narrative, and it's supposed to be one of the most influential pieces of literature that has ever been written. I've had theologians, I've had professors and friends talk about this time and time again. I've just never taken the time to read it. And so I take that book because people have recommended it to me so much. So those are the three books I think I would take. One more recently, a classic, and then one that I have not read. How about you? I like that. So just going back to what you said, Josh read the brothers Karmas. I don't know how you say it. I'm from Texas. I could say it however I want. Um, <laughs> and he's, he said it made him feel like he was back in law school. Really? So yeah, he was like, I like uh-huh. it, but anyone who reads this book and likes it needs to go to law school. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when, you know, when we talked about this at our table, like we all decided the Harry Potter series, just most definitely it's, one of those series that it's just, um, it feels like home. Like I'm always reading them and repeat kind of in the background. It's my go to sleep book and they're just so well written and we're getting to experience them again with our kids, which is so fun. Uh, Um, So great. Oh my gosh. It's super fun. And then Anne of Green Gables, which is also a series. Uh, Anna was my first friend um, Mm -hmm. and they're just so well written. They're set in Prince Edward Island, uh, Canada, which is someplace I always wanted to go. And so they're just darling books. And uh, Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It just cracks me up so much. In fact, when Josh was in law school, um, he was like, you cannot read that book anymore in bed because you wake me up laughing. Like I would be the silent laughter, but the whole bed is shaking. <laughs> that is hysterical. That is fantastic. So we would love to know what your, what your three books would be if you found yourself in self-isolation. What would uh, those three volumes be? And as Autumn pointed out, it could be a series as well. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so uh, uh, in the comment section of uh, this post, wherever you find it, uh, make certain to put those three books that you take with you uh, in self-isolation. So great topic. Good job. So in this next segment of the pod, I know we wanted to talk about those rule breakers that we have in our Oh, they seem to be everywhere. Yeah. So these are the folks that, by golly, they're going to have church. They're going to have their Bible study. They're going to have choir practice, even though um, everyone, including the politicians who have been so reticent to make a decision, are saying this is a very bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing this in the news today. I mean, uh, we we got word out of Virginia that uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. uh, brought the students back uh, to Liberty University. And guess what? Now some of the students have uh, been tested and confirmed COVID-19. Oh, that's uh, helpful. Yeah, there's more, there's more recently uh, a pastor in, uh, of a mega church down in Florida continued and insisted to meet on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. to fi- until finally the local authorities arrested him uh, for violating the city mandate. There just seems to be this 
moronic mentality that somehow people are immune from this disease. Folks, COVID-19 doesn't care or give a rip whether you're a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, or even if you go to church. All that matters is it has an opportunity to be passed along from human to human and uh, through the air, and it will strike you and in uh, many cases make you very ill and unfortunately in several cases can cause people to die. Uh, yeah. So stay at home, people, stay at home. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine what these parents of these students of, of Liberty are thinking to send their children. You know, I think one of the first things that really hit me when all the news started coming out about this virus was that, you know, it wasn't as dangerous to the younger population, which that statistically still is true. But we are hearing anecdotally that it is impacting, um, you know, whether or not it's, you know, going to kill them, it's impacting their breathing, their lungs, um, for significant amounts of time, even after the virus is gone. Yeah. I was watching an interview just earlier this morning, and it was an ER doctor, and he was detailing uh, just how people are suffering from COVID-19. And he was talking, he was actually in a a hospital room uh, talking about the patient who he said was very young uh, in their thirties, didn't show the patient or name the patient, but patient in their thirties, he said, your lungs begin to fill up with liquid and it feels as though you are literally drowning. And when you cannot take another breath, that's when they put you on a ventilator. And he said, this is a horrifying, horrifying uh, illness and virus. Nobody wants it. And for those people who are being so irresponsible, uh, I'm glad local authorities are arresting pastors, not because they're practicing their faith, because they are jeopardizing the health of all people. Yeah. And it is absolutely asinine they continue to do so. You know, we had an article at ethicsdaily.com this week uh, by Reverend Mary Elizabeth Hankey entitled To Flaunt COVID-19 Warnings, A Failure of Biblical Portions. And I encourage all of our listeners to read that article because it talks about how people of faith uh, are tempting God uh, or appear to be tempting God uh, when even Jesus himself Uh, who could have done anything, did not tempt the Lord his God. Uh, And it was not that God has brought this disease upon us. Please don't hear me say that. But we pray for God's deliverance in these moments. And we look back and say, well, where was God? Why didn't God uh, cure us of this disease? Or why didn't he obliterate this disease from society? And it's like the old cartoon. Well, God says, you know what? I, I gave you scientists. You did not listen to them. I gave you doctors. You did not listen to them. I you know, gave you friends and you did not listen to them. I tried to help you every which way I could. And you ignored me every, uh, at every turn. Yeah. Uh, so God speaks through so many different ways. And we just, especially people of faith, have a tendency to ignore him. To think yeah. that we're 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 somehow invincible. Yeah, God's not a like an invisibility cloak from bad things that are going on around you, and He also gave you a brain and common sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, He's given more sense to some than others. It seems like. <laughs> 
<laughs> because some of them have no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I um, I just I can't believe um, and as we've seen this disease continue to go and have seen the effects of it, that it's still such a politicized subject. Um, I'm seeing some people, you know, make statements like, oh, it's, you know, freedom to gather. It's, you know, you have the freedom to do all these different things. I don't want the government kind of infringing on my rights. And it's like, well, the government's infringing on your rights because you're not using your head and you're not mm -hmm. using your own common sense. Like if, if everyone would just do what they needed to do, then we would be fine. When people try to make the argument that their rights are being infringed upon and their freedoms are being denied them when these limitations are being put upon them, what they don't understand in the tension of rights that their right to assemble is infringing upon my right to simply live. Mm -hmm. So where does one person's right begin and another one's end? Mm -hmm. And the courts and culture have to make that determination, and they've made that determination throughout history. Yeah. And right now, that determination is the public health is at the foremost of our cultural awareness and our cultural uh, priority. Uh, it's similar to the court saying, uh, yes, we believe wholeheartedly in the freedom of speech. Well, does that mean I can walk into a theater at any time, at any moment, and yell fire, causing a stampede where hundreds of people, you know, get harmed because of that statement? Right. Uh, there are consequences to that, and yeah. there are consequences uh, in, in this particular moment as well. That's why the president, that's why several governors and local municipalities have declared states of emergency. This is not any ordinary time. No. Well, in these unprecedented times, um, we do have some people who are following the rules. We do, very much so. And I'm excited to talk to our next guest, uh, Dr. Uh, Reverend, or Reverend Dr., I should say, uh, David Turner and his associate, uh, Mary Richardson Craven, along with the pastor at First Baptist Church, Jefferson City, Tennessee, Reverend Ellen DiGiosia. So, Stay tuned for these incredible interviews. Are you looking for a new way to grow your faith? Nurturing Faith is offering five of their best-selling devotionals for only $12 for Good Faith weekly listeners. Go to nurturingfaith.net to find hope from Carol Bozeman Taylor, John R. Roebuck, Blake McKinney, Michael L. Ruffin, and Merrill J. Davies. The books are all available in the bookstore section of the Nurturing Faith website. And now, back to Mitch and Autumn. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and we have two guests with us today, all the way from Richmond, Virginia. We have the Reverend David Turner, who's the senior pastor at Central Baptist Church there in Richmond, as well as the associate pastor for worship and adult ministry, Reverend Mary Richardson Craven. Welcome to both of you to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, we are really excited about this interview because we have been hearing what creativity is coming out of Richmond these days. As our listeners know, uh, the virus, uh, COVID-19, has all of our congregations around the world uh, shutting their doors on Sunday morning, but it is open doors for us to be creative, and Central Baptist Church is taking the lead in this. So. Uh, 
first of all, kudos. Tell us what you're doing on Sunday mornings now. Well, thank you. Well, we uh, have begun a parking lot ministry, a drive-in worship experience um, that was the brainchild of Mary's husband, Adam. Uh, and the response to that has been overwhelmingly positive from within our congregation. And uh, we've had, I can't tell you how many churches reach out to us already saying, how can we do what you did? Wow. So, so Mary, I mean, come on. Vi viral pandemic across the globe, and you're sitting there at your home, and you think, ah, parking lot church. <laughs> yes. My husband had heard of a church where some of his family lives that does this all the time, and he said, well, why couldn't Central do a drive-in church, like an old-fashioned drive-in movie theater, but it's live? And we just kind of looked at each other and said, yes, why don't we talk to David and see what he thinks about it? And it took off from there. It was just one of those moments sitting in the den at home and thinking, how do we do church? And that was what we came up with. <laughs> okay, so Mary, honestly, between you and our five listeners, <laughs> what was David's reaction when you said, hey, pastor, let's do drive-through church? Honestly, he looked at me and got this big smile and he said, what a great idea. <laughs> Let, <That's> let's awesome. <laughs> he said, what can we do and how do we do it? So, so what did that look like? What, how did you make it happen? I know you guys talked some about um, like the tech, the technology piece that you had to, to put together. Um, is David really just the brains behind that IT setup? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I think of a pastor, I think of just really tech savvy. We'll go with that, but uh, <laughs> no, I am really grateful to, to Mary and to Adam. And I had, I had a thought uh, thinking about uh, tacky light tours and would it be possible for us to stream the, if we did a parking lot service, a drive-in experience, would it be possible to, to stream the audio into the cars through the radios? Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that to Mary and she said, Adam and I were having the same thought. So they were already there. And Adam and me, and Mary can share more about this, but Adam immediately went on and ordered the FM transmitter. Mm -hmm. yep. Adam's, I remember him saying when David suggested that, that's a brilliant idea. Let's do it. So Amazon is a wonderful thing. And we just ordered <laughs> a transmitter and there we went. So. And so you had your first service on this past Sunday, right? and so tell us, how did drive-in church go? It went well. Um, the response was, it was great. The, um, there was energy, there was excitement, um, there were smiles. Some people got out of their cars, but most people stayed in the cars, they listened on the radio, they rolled down their windows and let the spirit flow through. Uh, but they were overwhelmingly grateful, I think is the right word and the right description of what they were feeling for that opportunity. Now, there had to be some logistical uh, uh, barriers you had to overcome. And so it's my understanding that there was this wonderful creative diagram that was created by someone on staff to <laughs> illustrate for the congregation how they were to park on Sunday. 
Well, we were in the office and uh, we're talking about how are people going to know what to do when they get there? They said, oh, they need a diagram. And uh, we decided to get very creative and went and found things in our preschool department. Um, we found Matchbox cars and Fisher Price little people and decided that we could make a map and put it online and show people this is how you pull in or you back in so that everybody was facing the center area of the parking lot. And honestly, that was the biggest hurdle to overcome. How do we park people? How do we get as many people in the lot as we can so that they can see and feel a part of it? And that diagram seemed to do the trick. So uh, we explained to the deacons, uh, a few of them when they came, this is how we need people to come in. And so they were directing people and helping to get folks into spots. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> so Mary had the wonderful assistance of one of our um, administrative uh, uh, assistants, Nicole Averett, who uh, helped her create that beautiful diagram. We have pictures of sitting on the floor in the office, spending wonderful time together, uh, making that artwork. Nicole was great. She was helping me fix it, and it was, it right. was fun. Yeah, so what church, was the response yeah. like? How did actual church go? We've talked about how you set it up. So now we're in the moment, you know, how, how did you get that started? And what did that look like? Uh, we had music playing, um, streaming into the radio station uh, to begin the service. And then began with just a word of greeting and honk if you can hear me. And <laughs> if you can hear me, that is a t-shirt waiting to happen. Coming out of Central You're going to honk amen. I like it. And the funny thing about it is initially I said, we, you know, we're only going to do this once, but it, I think spontaneously that was also the benedictory um, <laughs> ending to the service. Um, Matt, you can't, can't follow directions on that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Just, I mean, there was a moment in the service, I understand, where uh, it's time for the passing of, of the peace. Uh, how did they pass the peace, uh, you know, and, and keep their social distancing? Pass the peace, but not the virus. Yes, right, exactly. That's all we want to pass. Uh, just to wave at each other. I said, turn to the cars beside you and take a minute to wave and smile. And I, I had someone tell me afterward they were so grateful that we had done that because they got to see someone that they'd never met, but to share a moment with them, um, with somebody visiting. And they said it really felt like they were connecting and actually passing the piece. So creatively doing that. Wow. Uh, what a special moment, I bet. Uh, so, Autumn, do you have another question for them? Um. I mean, just kind of a quick observation really quick. I know um, a lot of churches have moved to creative um, ways to have church. We are going to be talking with some other pastors who are doing other things. Y'all's was definitely the most colorful um, and like visually attractive on my Facebook feed. So congratulations. But our church did um, just a Facebook live service. And so I was standing in my kitchen and Mitch and I have talked about the fact that, you know, we all sit in church on Sunday mornings. That's something that happens. Um, but there was this moment of sort of the borders being removed on this Sunday as we all kind of approached the throne in a different creative way. And I felt it like I felt it in my kitchen. And um, I just think there's something moving in this time that we're we're not really 
restricted by the borders of our church. Um, it's, I think, uh, Mary, you, you may have mentioned this before we started recording. It's church with a capital C. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the big church. It's all of us across this creation praising together and being the hands and feet of Christ together in a new way that maybe we were so separated before by our own walls mm -hmm. and now those walls have been removed. It's beautiful. Yeah. And one well, of the as a former pastor, uh, I want to ask you, did you have to adapt your message at all uh, for, uh, for uh, drive-in church? We recognize the need to be a little briefer with the service than we otherwise would have been. So it was probably a 10 minutes uh, sermon rather than more of a homily than uh, a 15 or 20 minute sermon. You no, know, the congregation is now going to expect seven minutes when you go back and <laughs> 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 talking about the, the greater connectivity, one of the things that we noted is that there were people in our parking lot who were not members of the church, oh, wow. uh, who had somehow gotten word that the service was happening, mm -hmm. and they felt either the need for some kind of connection or just felt like they wanted to see what was, what was going on, and so they joined us in the parking lot. And then we had hundreds of others join us online. And those are connections that probably would not have happened mm -hmm. had we not done this new thing. Right, right. Yeah. I'm sorry, so, I, David, I, I'm going I'm to put on my Deacon Jones hat here for a second uh -oh. and say, ask the really important questions that Deacon <laughs> Jones would ask. And that is, how'd you take up an offering? We had a lot of conversation about what were the best ways, the safest ways, um, the least intrusive ways to do that. And we ended up uh, getting buckets from Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, so orange and blue buckets. And the initial thought was that we would have people standing at the, uh, the entrance to the, and exits to the parking lot, holding those wearing gloves, and then one of our deacons came up with the idea of no, let's let's hang them from uh, metal poles, and that's what we did. And uh, people responded very well to that. They gave generously, and so we will move forward with that same kind of uh, collection in weeks to come. I love it. Well, before Autumn asks you our final question, I have one more question for you. And it's really an observation, and it's a question you can't answer now, but maybe a question you'll be able to answer a year from now. Hopefully soon, uh, this pandemic is going to uh, come to an end, and we're going to flatten the curve, and we'll try to find some type of normality uh, somewhere in the future. Who knows when that's going to be. But do you see the church maybe next year, two years from now, commemorating this moment by maybe having church in the driveway or in the parking lot in the month of March. Yeah, and Mary, do you want to speak to that? I hope so. Um, Nicole that we mentioned earlier, who works in the office, she said, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if every year in March you com commemorate this experience? And I think it would be beautiful, and I think it would be a reminder to people that church doesn't always have to look the same. We, we did this, and we were the church in a new way. So I, I hope that we do in the future, and David and I have talked about that, that possibility. I hope so. 
And, and that reflects kind of our recognition that it won't ever look the same, even when it goes back to a more normal way of being and living and doing church mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I've said, you, it's a genie you don't put back in the bottle, mm-hmm. uh, meaning there are new ways of connecting and more creative ways of being that we've now embraced that we can't all of the, while we not, while we may not be meeting in the parking lot every week, a year from now, uh, we probably will still be streaming online or sure. uh, other creative ways of connecting and being church. That's amazing. Well, our motto at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. And we like to ask our guests on our podcast to tell us what their more to tell is. And we'll let you both answer that question. David? Um, my thought was the more to tell is uh, we are going to uh, intentionally, from this point forward, intentionally be creative and creatively be intentional in everything we do uh, to be more effective in uh, being community, being church, and spreading the word. Mm-hmm. Good. And hopefully this experience will be like hitting the refresh button for church, for church all over. Um, this is a chance for us to really examine our priorities as churches. Why do we exist? What do we do together as a faith community? It's such a, it's a much bigger question than just what is happening during this time of crisis. Uh, it's forcing us to look at ourselves in a great way. It's such an opportunity um, to refresh and renew and hopefully never be the same again in a good way. Well, that's outstanding. Well, thank you both so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, What's your website? CBC, Central Baptist Church, Richmond.org. There you go. So you want to check out the Central Baptist Church out of Richmond, Virginia, this Sunday as they have their second service, uh, drive-through service, I should say. Uh, We appreciate both of you joining the podcast today. David, Mary, it is an absolute delight. Mitch, thank Thank you. you. Thank you as well. Thanks, Bye. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. And again, this is Mitch Randall and Autumn Lockett. And we have a very special guest with us today, all the way from Jefferson City, Tennessee, the Reverend Ellen DiGiosia. Ellen, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hi, Ellen. Hi. <laughs> well, you know, Ellen, uh, obviously we're recording this podcast uh, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we're getting news all across uh, the country, really all around the world. Uh, throw it, that this pandemic has thrown church life as we know it into a tailspin. Yeah. So um, how are things going, first of all, with you and your family? Yeah, we're we're doing all right. My husband works from home, uh, so this is not a, a change for him. Um, all, the biggest change is that I have no place to be because I, I'm also working from home and have no home office. We've been spending our, our day uh, cleaning out a little area to make so that I can have a place to work. We've got two teenagers who are 
home from school. It's their spring break, and then they are out for at least the next two weeks following that. So, so uh, now, Ellen, I know a little bit about your family, and you've got some yeah. musicians in your family, right? So how's uh, the, the music going? Well, my son is a drummer. <laughs> <There's> a <lot. laughs> boom, the Lord boom, wants boom. to keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I on a good day, there's a lot of drumming, and on a trapped day, there's a whole lot of drumming. So, <laughs> um, we also have a dog that we adopted a couple of months ago, and she's not quite sure what it is that we're all here. So, um, oh, I I you may imagine. actually hear her whimper in the background because I have her shut out, but um, she's a little confused, but that's all right. Well, good. Well, I'm glad that you and, and your family are doing well uh, during this self imposed quarantine. Um, you know, I said a moment ago about how this has affected congregational life. Can you kind of just walk us through what's going on at First Baptist Jefferson City in Tennessee? Sure. Um, a couple of weeks ago, which feels like a lifetime ago, I know for all of us, um, our church council met and talked about, you know, what we were hearing from other places, you know, what um, what was happening in Seattle at that time and in New York and you know, what we might need to think about for the future. Um, and, and we were just sort of slow pedaling it, thinking, well, maybe we will suspend our Wednesday night meals because yeah. that you know, seems like a vector for infection. Um, and then I guess it's just been a week now um, from Thursday night into Friday, I was sending emails at 1.30 in the morning saying, we, we got to just shut this all down. This is, right, you sure. know, we're really that's, in a- That's a tough decision for, for pastors and for churches. I just can't imagine. It really is. It is. And, you know, we've got a lot of folks like most churches who are older or have immune suppression. And we just, I just did not want to risk it. My, my feeling was um, that I have responsibility for this set of people and I need to do everything I can to make sure that, that they can stay safe. And like, uh, like a lot of folks, our people will come if the doors are open. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and I just felt it was irresponsible for us to keep our doors open, knowing that some people would come and it, it could be a problem. So we started recording our service um, last week. We're not set up to live stream at this mm -hmm. point. Um, we're also not set up to give online. We were working on both of those things when this hit. So it's been a lot of, a, a lot of scrambling trying to figure all that out. But mm -hmm. um, right now we're recording um, our worship services. Um, we got together this morning for the last time to record pieces uh, for this week and a little bit for next week. And then next week, people will be recording their pieces uh, on their home computers and phones and sending them in to be edited into a worship service. Um, we really value lay participation in our congregation. And so uh, we decided as long as it is sustainable for us as a staff, that we are going to continue to do that by having people send pieces in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we may get to a point where that's just not doable, but um, for sure. as long as we can, we want to have more faces than just mine uh, out there. And so that our people, you know, our people want to see each other too, not just me. So I think that'll, that'll be a good thing. Yeah, and that, that plays into your daily devotional that you've been uh, posting on Facebook, which I think is, is really, really uh, inspirational. And, and I notice, and I love this about uh, your, your post and your devotional that you put up specifically, you lit a candle. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that there was something really, really 
valuable and inspiring about seeing you light a candle because yeah. it does feel so dark out there right now. Mm-hmm. It does. And there's something about just sort of marking the moment and saying, okay, now we read the Psalm. Now we pray together because I start with, you know, saying what's going on or a little bit of silliness or whatever, but we just need that moment to breathe and to be calm. And, and there's not a lot of good, deep, calm breathing happening for most of us right now. So um, that's been, you know, that, that, that actually really plays to my own um, loves as a minister. I'm very liturgically minded. And so the opportunity to do, you know, daily prayer, not just me, but other people um, really fits in my sort of my theology of pastoring, you know, that my, you know, my job is to be this calm center. And um, it's, that's a hard place to be right now. But if I can project that and model that, then that's good for our congregation. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, something that we talked about with one of our pastor friends, um, uh, Reverend Hopkins out in Oakland a few episodes ago, he was talking about how in California, they're in a state of, it's not called lockdown, but basically anything non-essential isn't happening. Um, And so, you know, to some folks, church is not essential. But especially to the folks who you were talking about, who will be in the door if they're open, church Mm -hmm. is absolutely essential. Um, And so I just, I love the picture of you bringing together this mosaic of your parishioners and still being the church for uh, the most vulnerable in your congregation. Yeah, we, you know, it's been a a whirlwind of a week for everybody, Um, you know, I feel like a lot of us clergy are out here over-functioning, <laughs> you know, trying to, make, trying to make everything happen, make it happen yeah. now. You know, we've never live streamed before. How do we live stream? How do we learn these technologies? Um, and I am not a millennial or a Gen Z. I am a Gen Xer. This is not natural to me. I mean, I've got my Facebook account and my Instagram, but um, we're all learning new skills and um, and it's been a little bit wild, but um I've really had keep, I keep trying to remind myself that it's what's good for my people. What do my people need from me? That's, that's the question to ask. It's not about replicating programs or trying to make a substitute for everything we currently do because there's no way to do that. But what do my people need to hear from me? How do we need to connect? And we're going to be learning ways, you know, for the next several weeks. This is, you know, as I said, just started this week. So we're in a learning process. And I think, you know, eight, week from, eight weeks from now, it'll look a little different. And, um, and I'm okay with that. I think we have to be willing to experiment a little bit and just see what works. Absolutely. And I mean, you're so right. I mean, our congregation, when faced with crises or a tragic moment throughout history, have always gathered around on Sunday morning and there was something about their pastor stepping behind the pulpit and giving a word of encouragement or hope or inspiration uh, yeah. because they're not able to do that, do that in this current crisis. It's important for them to see you and, and other pastors online. Uh, it gives yeah. them a sense of, of, uh, of hope and security. Yeah. That they're going to get through this. So I appreciate all that you're doing, all that uh, the ministers across the world are doing, they're doing a fabulous job. Keep it up. 
Thanks um, so much. We've got one question that uh, we want to end the interview with, and Autumn uh, asked every interviewee the same question. So, Autumn, uh, let's uh, wrap this up with our final question. Of course, yeah. So Good Faith Media, um, our motto is there's more to tell. And we like to ask all of our folks who we have on the podcast, what is your more to tell? Um, I'd say I've been thinking a lot, um, even before all this happened, about context. And I thought yesterday, as I was trying to think through what we're doing for our churches, I thought, what if we approached this as um, a 19th century missionary would, not uh, not in all the ways a 19th century missionary would. <laughs> we're going to sing Onward um, Christian Soldiers really loud, right? <laughs> right, yeah. I think we don't want to adopt all of those practices. Um, however, the idea that, you know, you have to know what the culture is. And I sort of feel like we're in a totally different culture. What if I were going into a culture where someone said, oh, they never meet in the same room. They do everything by talking on the phone or talking on the internet. What, how would that change, um, uh, you know, what we're doing? And so in a, in a sense, it's sort of an exciting kind of missiology and I'm enjoying that. Wow. That is a great word to end on. I never thought of it like that, that we are, we are, you know, entering into a new mission field. So I love that, that image. Thank you for sharing that. It's so optimistic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Well, again, this is uh, Reverend Ellen Diagesia uh, from First Baptist Church, Jefferson City, Tennessee. Uh, Ellen, thank you so much. And I forgot to mention that uh, Ellen was also named the 2017 Baptist of the Year. Uh, oh, I was hoping for forgetting that, but that's okay. The church and I shared that award, and um, we are very proud of it, and we are very grateful. Well, we appreciate you, Ellen. Appreciate the good folks at First Baptist and blessings upon all of you. Stay safe and God bless. Thank you.